I'd never seen that on TV before, so I loved it for its novelty. I thought it was a little predictable when it just turned into Fight Club at the end. Interesting fact about the real Queens Corgis, they're kind of ugly. Uh, one through five, Atlanta, The Crown, Rick and Morty, Black Mirror, and Mindhunter. Welcome to a late night edition of Basket Sprawl. I'm joined here with trusty Justin Moser yet again. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, thanks. This is a fun time of year. Love television. The Emmys happened last night. I'm excited to talk about some shows. Oh, snap. We're going to talk about Rajon Rondo's impact on the position of the point guard's integrity of NBA history, but you want to talk about the Emmys? Let's go. Justin, the Emmys were last night. You know Justin's a TV guy. He's already given you his flaming hot takes on things such as uh, why Westworld is complete shit. And uh, that's the one that comes to mind right now. But uh, the Emmys were last night. I have prepared a document because... I have not seen most of the shows that were nominated. I'm 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 one of those people that's just completely paralyzed by all the TV that's out right now, and so I just kind of miss all of it. But you are like the opposite, and you watch way more shows than anyone. I don't know how you have time. I guess we've done this before on the show, but might as well just give them the background on your TV love one more time. For those of you who are listening, you might remember that I keep track of how much TV that I watch. I'm now currently up to 6,170 episodes of television logged in my phone app, TV Show Faves. It's an Android exclusive. Mm. Sorry, iPhone users. But uh, for, for three years running now, I've done my rankings of all the best TV shows that were Emmy nominated for that cyclical year. Um, so in 2016, I watched 23 Emmy eligible shows to completion. Last year, I watched 33, which was a new record. And then this year, I came in at 23 again. Um, 24. 24. I came in at 20. Oh, right. It was so 24 this year. So as you can see, I, I watch a lot of television. I really feel like I have my finger on the pulse with TV. Um, I like to, I like shows for various reasons, many of which are just like pure enter entertainment value. Others I think are contributing something to the culture and television as a whole. Um, and, uh, I just think that in most cases when you have, a broad scope of you know any interest. I think you have a you come from a good place of being able to say what's good, what's bad, what deserves to be watched, and so forth. So I'm excited to kind of break into my list. Without further ado, let's just go right into your list that you posted on your Facebook page, and I'll post to uh, the ba Basket Sprawl Twitter. You want to check Justin's list out for uh, his third annual Best Shows of the Year list. So I'm going to read them from best to worst. And number one spot, uh, Atlanta season two. Number two, The Crown season two. Number three, Rick and Morty season three. Number four, Black Mirror season four. And number five, Mindhunter season one. Now, if I can interject, what I actually did this year, which is different from the previous years, is I separated the shows into tiers. I actually consider this to be one of the worst or weakest years in television history as of late. So the five shows that Sam just read off, I believe, are must-watch shows. The next tier of shows are worth watching. And then the third tier is just everything that's worse than Game of Thrones Season 7. Mm. Doesn't mean that they're bad, but like they're just, you know, Game of Thrones Season 7 wasn't great. And the shows after it are just like, they're fine, but like you could live without not seeing them. And this is a good time, too, to say like, so even the shows 
Just because there has to be a last place doesn't mean you didn't like the show. You said you kind of like all the shows, just you like the, the this isn't the order. Yeah. So actually, um, every show on this list, as I said before, I've I've watched a completion. There are at least ten shows that were eligible that I either started and stopped watching because I didn't care for them anymore, or that I just like kind of like glanced at and didn't really think it was my thing. So uh, this isn't a comprehensive list of every show is nominated, but Every show that's on there, I've watched completion, and I think is a pretty good, you know, scope of what's available to people in the last year. For sure. Um, so just real quick, again, uh, one through five: Atlanta, The Crown, Rick and Morty, Black Mirror, and Mindhunter. Uh, so this is the next tier. The you'd recommend worth watching. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And here's the order of that: from six to fifteen, we have Insecure season two, Barry season one, The Good Place season two, Transparent season four. Stranger Things Season 2, Mr. Robot Season 3, American Vandal Season 1, Glow Season 1, Narco Season 3, and Waco at uh, 15 to close out the tier there. So one other insight that I provide about this group is now going through through 15 shows, Netflix is responsible for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 7 out of the 15. 7 out of 15 shows are Netflix, and that is because I have decided that Netflix has finally ascended as the network with the most shows worth watching. I still think that HBO has an argument for the highest quality and best shows to watch, not this year, but in general. But Netflix has really become, in the last year, the place to see television, I think. And, and that, that, is, that is new. Something that is blaringly missing from the list this year that was parent, apparent on the last two is FX has really dropped off. Um, there wasn't an OJ American Crime Story or a Louis. Uh, uh, you know. There hasn't been a Louis. You're right. Um, you know, and Atlanta's Atlanta's the best show. So FX still comes to top, but you're the worst. It didn't have one nominated. It wasn't wasn't available for this year. There's just a lot of FX just isn't keeping up. Um, and we'll get there because no uh, more Nip Tuck. I didn't watch Nip Tuck actually. But <laughs> was that not on FX? I think that was on FX. Okay, <laughs> Nip Tuck and Dirt. No, I mean, Cox. those shows I think are worth watching, but Nip Tuck has like 120 episodes. They're just like another era in TV, you know? Like, no, I, didn't, I did not watch Nip Tuck. So anyway, so I think something, something interesting to, to point out here is that Netflix makes up a huge swath of the shows that are in my must-watch to, to worth watching. And as, you'll, as we'll read in the next one, HBO actually has five shows in my bottom tier. Yeah. So HBO is still relevant. Of course, and I watch a lot of the shows, but they're not nearly as good as the Netflix stuff that came out in the last year. Nice. So let's just get into that tier. Um, you have, to start the tier, Game of Thrones Season 7, Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9, Ozark Season 1, Dark Season 1, Assassination of Gianni Versace, uh, American Crime Story Season 1, The Deuce Season 1. Westworld Season 2. These are the bottom three, by the way. Westworld Season 2, Mosaic and the end of the fucking world, season one. So I think the most important thing to say, you know, Game of Thrones is the number 16 show of the year. Game of Thrones in my past list has been the, the top ranked show and the second ranked show on my last two lists. And reason being is, you know, and I don't want to beat a dead horse because people talked about this at length, but Game of Thrones decided to make the seasons much shorter this year, which caused the creators of the show to Make, consolidate a lot of things that would have happened over the span of entire seasons into short episodes. And I really think it ruined the storytelling of, of the whole season, frankly. But that doesn't mean that Game of Thrones isn't still one of the most spectacular, awe-inspiring shows on television. So visually alone, it deserves to be not at the bottom, but 
it was so disappointing to me. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of the talk because I was I've never been more excited for a season than I was for season seven of Game of Thrones this past season. I thought right, so much stuff was going to happen. It, they had just it was like the build before a drop. Like you knew the next season was the drop, and we were all excited about it. I just remember this hilarious take that everyone had said the show had ascended. It was like it was post criticism. It was so great that it doesn't matter what happens because anything that this show does is perfect. And it was just, uh, it's funny to look back on. It seems like eons ago that that was the take of Game of Thrones, like a flawless, a flawless story. And, and I mean, I, I just can't agree with you more. Season seven to me, I, I used to make the joke, was like the Joakim Noah Knicks contract. It was, it was that shocking how, how bad that, as opposed to what it could have been. Well, and to go off your, your first point that you made, you know, I've been putting together these lists and really consider myself a television historian at this point. I was telling people around season four, when season four is over, that Game of Thrones wasn't my favorite show ever, but it probably would be. And it would probably be the best show ever up there with The Wire and Six Feet Under is my favorite show of all time. I had no idea season seven could ever happen. Like that right. wasn't even in my realm of thought. I was like, how is that possible? Now, you know, we have to give credit to the fact that there wasn't a book that these guys could go off of. So it's not all on the careers of the show, but I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that Game of Thrones would falter so hard. And now I don't I'm I don't know where it fits in all time shows. Because the first six seasons are it's a great the best, point. maybe the best ever. But like, you know, when we get to Stranger Things, I'll kind of talk about how like one blemish can sort of ruin the whole piece for you. And it's like you gotta land the plane to uh, <laughs> all oh, yeah, yeah. Portlanders out there. Uh what's up? But uh, you got to land the plane on these things. Um, I, I think it'll always be tainted. I mean, I remember having conversations after season six and listening to all the podcasts and reading all the you know online stuff you can get into with uh, Game of Thrones and binge mode and just the content available to get hype. And I was getting so hype. I remember talking to, I forget who, but I was like, this is my favorite 80, 80 hour long movie I've ever seen. Like I, I viewed it as a perfect story and that like I remember crying about things happening in season five that I didn't like. But, you know, no, the, the only exception to this before the season was the Sand Snake plot it was considered to be very weak and poorly scripted. Right. Yeah. Um, but really, I mean, you can nitpick, but like that was kind of the only thing other than maybe in my opinion, I don't like where Arya's story went in season six. I thought yes, there was a lot of far-fetched stuff there, but like, and we let that. We were like, okay, yeah, we let that slide because we wanted her to get back. To right, the it was like whatever. Like you got to get, right. you got to get there somehow. But man, season seven just like constantly like with the Deus Ex Machina. Like we're, we're going to talk about it, but like you know the the best episode of the whole season of Game of Thrones is the one with the loot train, and it ends with Jamie falling in the river, and you're like, oh my god, is he dead? But then he's just fucking alive in the in first the scene of the, ne right. the very first scene in of the, the next, next scene. It's like the story. It's it, like, come on, like, yeah. how lazy is that? No, right, and it's so disappointing. It, it really is so disappointing. So, so again, we're we're, we're harping on this, but the fact is, Game of Thrones was a top one or two show for the last like six years or whenever it was yes. eligible. Yes, and then this year it's my number sixteen. So yeah. And you know, again, I just want to. I mean, it's not like we're talking about Waco for any. It, this is Game of Thrones. But I did. I did. Waco is right yes. above Game of Thrones. Yes. Real quick, anything on Waco? I know it's not getting <laughs> a ton of love, but you seem to like it. Yeah. So, so Waco was a limited series uh, that starred uh, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch, who's famous for Friday Night Lights and several other things to this point. John Carter. Um, <laughs> John Carter. <laughs> um, 
it's about it's about a cult in Waco, Texas, and it's and its leader played by Taylor Kitsch, who had like this really it's it's an actual historical oh, yeah, moment. Famous dude. Very famous. Uh, no, they they the had like they had like David Koresh. Maybe? David Koresh. They had a bunch oh, of weapons st- stored up in this like compound, and like the FBI was up to it. And what's interesting about the show is I heard <laughs> it got terrible ratings because it's so inaccurate, but it's thrilling. So like if you just take it for like it's it's a really fun watch. Like I would leave Game of Thrones episodes upset and disappointed, and. Every Waco episode would end, and I couldn't wait to watch the next one. So that's why it's like snuck in right above Game of Thrones in terms of its watchability for this past year. So you liked Waco more than Ozark, huh? Yeah, I, I and again, no show on this list that I dislike. I think Ozark was maybe the most overrated show of the year. I, I have to say that because I'm a Ringer, you know, fan and, and listener, maybe I was beat over the head a little bit more with Ozark. But my best friend Michael told me to watch it. He loved it. I watch anything that he does because just so we have something to talk about. But anyway, I thought it was great, but there's something about its color palette that rubs me the wrong way. It's like intentionally gray and dark, and it's kind of supposed to be funny. It's it, Ozark's fine. You you you'll live if you don't see it. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I got to say about that one. And then also, you got Westworld as your third let, third it's, worst show of the year. It's the third okay, worst let's, show let's call, that I've seen of the year. Yeah, let's call let's call Spade a Spade. The hate on Westworld with you. I just I, let's go. Well, you haven't seen it, so you've heard the people like this show. But I, it's like, just like nine out of ten people tell me that's great and I should watch it, and you're the one person that's like, don't watch it. In fact, like fuck that show. Yeah, it's really it's bad. Very interesting. The, the story is terrible. There are like <laughs> every episode's like twenty five minutes too long, and there's just characters that are on Love screen, it. and they're it's just a chore to watch. Now that being said, I watch it, and I can, and I'll probably watch next season. Whereas other shows, I've just like dipped out on because people like it. It's it's sort of like an internet culture show where like you you can consume podcasts and read about it on Reddit and it's, and it's entertaining but it's not good and the reason why I I really disliked season one but season two was even worse was season one was just so predictable you kind of knew what was going to happen before it happened and then season two just like just wasn't a good show it was just like poorly written the bad guys would would there's just like gratuitous violence and like. It, not for you. It's not. It's, it shouldn't be for anyone. It's not. It's not a good show. <laughs> I said this before. Like, with, and, I, and I think this is the most important take, so that people don't just write me off as being an idiot. There's another show that came out this year called Altered Carbon. I don't. I don't. It didn't even make my list. I don't even. I don't. I must have forgot. Or it was so low ranked on Metacritic that I didn't even see it by the time I gave up on Metacritic. Probably. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. But it's another sci-fi show that came out this year, and you just. I. It, it was really horribly written and it looked beautiful, but I just sort of accepted that it was going to be fun because it didn't take itself too seriously. Westworld was supposed to be Game of Thrones and it's trash. So the standard that's supposed to live up to versus Alter Carbon was kind of expected to be bad, although it had a large uh, budget. It's just, you know, there's some, there, there, there has to be something to be said about the expectation of a show and where, what, what hole it's supposed to fill in the culture and then how little it falls through on that. Westworld does feel, I mean, from an outside perspective, like, the show that's forced. I mean, it's always the first HBO commercial and, you know, it's probably the biggest marketing team. It's up there as most expensive shows on TV right now, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. Um, but shame on me for not watching it. I mean, I should be watching that show, I guess. But uh, yeah, again, I think you should watch it, but it's not good. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I guess before we leave Game of Thrones, though, I just want to say... Maybe I maybe I'll maybe I'll buy stock before season eight and like say yes season seven was a necessary blemish that we don't forget they got a long way to build themselves out of the hole that they're in though with 
how fast they just rushed the things that happened. There's only and six episodes too, so it's not like they're it's like, going to be rushed. They're through ninety minutes though, two hours. I mean, that's not that. That's a rumor. That's not a confirmed thing. Ooh, you got some inside sources. I think, and I think, I think the last thing while while I'm throwing shade at shows that I did like, uh, <laughs> the the Deuce is twenty one and. It was my fourth worst show that I've seen. I actually really liked The Deuce. And by the time it was over, I was like telling people they should watch it. I don't think David Simon's done anything nearly as well as The Wire since. And I think The Wire is just propping him up to be such a great show creator and director. But it was kind of boring. And I just watched it because he made it. Not because I liked it. Yeah, but it's great though. It is. It's just tough. It's so it's, it's tough. so tough. It's really tough. Did you watch all of it? No, no? I, I didn't finish it. Yeah, and, and I really liked it. And like, I don't like really. I don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she's such a main actress that like that detracts away from the show for me. She so, is so she's phenomenal. So I remember it ended, and I was like telling people they should watch it. But now looking back and having made this list, it's like there's so many shows that were more enjoyable that I looked forward to watching. The Deuce was was honestly a chore to finish. Yeah, that it makes sense too, and I think that's kind of the intention. So. And I feel like that's a lot of David Simon's work. I mean, The Wire is just the one that's so sprawling and like represents everything. You might hear Harlan drinking some water in the background. Shout out Harlan the Corgi on Instagram. How we doing, Harlan? But uh, yeah, I mean, Simon, uh, you you have your complaints. They're legitimate, but it's not like he's advertising. It's not like he's making Arliss. You know what I mean? Like his shit is very. I've actually never seen. It. I really want to watch Arliss. I, when I used to tour, I looked endlessly for Arliss Torrance. <laughs> This is about a sports agent, right? Yeah, and I, would I remember love to watching see Arliss when I was young. I've never seen it. it. The shit. I'd love to watch that, though. That and Sports Night America, I'd like to mm. watch both those shows. I'd be eager to see what I think of Arliss now. Anyway, so let's just move on from the list, and we'll maybe be referring back to it again. You could find it on Justin's Facebook page or the Baskets Brawl Twitter. Um, so let's go into the Emmy, uh, big Emmy shows that you hadn't seen this year. And some of these you started and just didn't finish. So uh, again, the list that you did were com- shows you watched to completion. So some of these shows you started and didn't finish. So here's the big one though, the elephant in the room. You did not watch Marvelous Miss Maisel, which took outstanding comedy series at the home over some of your favorite shows of the year so that's obviously going to be something that we talk about but Mm -hmm. um uh, so miss mazel uh handmaid's tale see and you liked the first season a lot i did i liked i liked season one and i've seen the first two episodes of season two but like that show doesn't need to be on tv it's so depressing there's it, it whatever it's accomplishing is not worth what I would have to go through emotionally to watch it. Fair enough. Uh, the Americans, uh, This Is Us, uh, which is just just so not, not your not, demographic. It's not for, it's not for me. Yeah, it's for yeah. my mom. Yeah. Great. It's just, it's just not for me. I, I, I just haven't seen any of it, so I can't say yeah. shit. I just haven't seen any of these damn shows. Homeland, Silicon Valley, and The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. These were at least nominated last night and might come up in the discussion so, about the Emmys. So we, we'll get back to Marvelous Maisel because you said that's sort of the elf in the room. If I can comment on the rest of them. I've seen the first episode of the Americans. It didn't pull me in. I, I, that, this happens a lot where I watch a pilot and I move on. That doesn't mean that I won't watch it someday. It's, it's considered among critics to be a fantastic show. So I could see myself revisiting the Americans. Uh, as I said, This Is Us is like a show for my mom. It seems very <laughs> melodramatic, and I'm not really into that. I'm here. I'm trying to cry at all times. Homeland, so. I've seen the first two or three seasons. 
I don't know why the show's still on television. Like, it was good. But Andy Patinkin was nominated for something. That's the only reason why Homeland is on this. Okay, and I, and I also, whoever the main actress in the show is, don't like her, so... Oh, uh, it's the famous actress. She's blonde. I don't know what her name is. Not, I'm not a fan. This um, is embarrassing that I don't know. Well, she's not that great of an actress, so who yes, cares? Yes, she is. Uh, Silicon Valley, I've seen the first... Uh, the four seasons that predated this season, but I didn't bother watching season five because it's no just it's, it's Miller, like right? it's just no, it's just it's just a very like it's a passable show. Yeah, it's just like a, I, one of the thirty minute comedies. Yeah, like, like I could put it on right now and I'd be done with it and be satisfied, but like it's it's not necessary viewing. Um, Unbreakable Tim Schmidt, I've seen like maybe here or there like some of the first five episodes. And I thought it was very annoying, so that wasn't for me at all. Okay, real time, I just got hit with this thought. What about Big Mouth, bro? It's potty humor. It's not for me either. So Big Mouth when, like, is one of those shows like uh, Altered Carbon I mean, that you were like, I enjoyed it, whatever, but I'm not even thinking Well, about I've it. seen one episode of it. Oh, you didn't finish? No, it. I didn't want to. It's, it's a cartoon, which I'm not really into in the first place, other than Rick and Morty. And it's like dirty humor, which, like, sure, it's cool that, like, adults can make a show about that, but it wasn't really, like, I inter- like interesting to me. I liked it a lot, but it's cool. Um, well, like, this is this is this is the trusty show. This is not the that's fine. Uh, you watch TV, yeah? Uh, not nearly. So do you want to go back? Um, do you want to go to back? Mrs. Maisel? Oh, okay, sure. So, so let's get into Mrs. Maisel through this avenue. We're gonna go and talk about some of the highlights of the uh, winners and losers from uh, the Emmys. And, and that won like three Emmys. Didn't oh it? yeah, Mrs. Maisel cleaned up. I think it won more than three. It won Emmys. like writing. No, one supporting actress. Alex Burns Bornstein, who's been in the game for so long. Shout out Alex Bornstein. She took home some 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 gold. Lead actress last in a comedy, supporting actress in a comedy and writing. Lead actress in a comedy? Yeah, lead actress. Oh, Claire Foy won. She won for drama. Drama. Okay, so let's get into Miss uh Oh, and and it won Best Comedy Series too. Right. So it just cleaned that, up. Yeah. Well, that's the important part because uh Miss Maisel beat Atlanta, Barry, and Glow for this award. Just Atlanta was your first uh, favorite uh, show of last year. Barry was seven, and Glow was thirteen. Mm-hmm. So, so definitely, all shows you really liked. Might as well get it in now. Miss Maisel, uh, the showrunner, just take no, it away. So, <laughs> so I, I think I have to start off by saying that I haven't seen Marvelous Miss Maisel. I would say the reason why I haven't seen it is because no one was really talking about it. I, don't, I, I am a consumer of Reddit television Reddit. Uh, I listened to two different uh, pop culture television podcasts, and it really wasn't being discussed. Therefore, I didn't really, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, I also think that the comedy category of the Emmys is a little bit of a farce. Um, Veep has won like four out of the last like five or six years. And while Veep is a good show, I've seen all of it. Who cares? Like, why? It doesn't deserve to win awards. It's fine. Um, well, it would deserve to win an award for like almost like a slapstick comedy award. You're saying it's like unfair that Atlanta and Barry should have to compete against a Veep type show. Yeah, right? well, because Veep is just trying to find new, unique ways to be funny, which is commendable. But Atlanta's like pushing the genre. I don't even think Atlanta's a comedy, although it is hilarious at times. And Barry was. I would say maybe a dark comedy. It was like a new, it was like a new take. Yeah. Um, so all that, all that being said, I haven't seen Mrs. Maisel, so I don't even know where it fits in, in that, in that range. But the number one reason why it's irrelevant that Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won all these shows is won all these awards is because the creator, Amy Sherman Palladino 
created the worst show of all time, Gilmore Girls. Oh, so I don't geez. give a fuck if oh, how good Mrs. Maisel is. I'm sure because it can't be because oh, Gilmore Girls is trash. That come on. You know a lot of. Have you seen Gilmore Girls? No, it's like it's a show about absolutely nothing. I did not watch Gilmore Girls, but I, uh, many people did, and you know I'm sure it's a fine show. It's terrible. So like, <laughs> you know, I, I might watch Mrs. Maisel. Even my roommate Blinky thought the, it was the pretty, Blink Panther. Blink loves Panther. Miss Maisel. But you know, I sat here while he didn't watch it and just like played video games. So I don't know how much he really watched. Wow, that. shade coming out of your pores right now. But. Yeah, I mean, just I, 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 th- I honestly think Gilmore Girls is the worst show of all time. Oh my! Gosh. And sh- the same person made Mrs. Maisel. So totally like, unfair. How good could it be? Unbelievable. You know, this is Gilmore Girls, the worst. show It's the of worst all show time. of all time. Wow. What's what do you think the worst show of all time is? Uh, I have not watched nearly enough TV to. Okay. to well, I have. I've watched over six thousand episodes of television. Gilmore Girls is the worst show of all time. Same creator, Mrs. Maisel. Fair enough, or n- not fair enough, but whatever. Let's move on. Um, the Emmys credibility of who wins these these uh, the awards might not be great because Game of Thrones won outstanding uh, drama series. Yeah, but it, it was it wasn't up against a lot though. The Crown. Yeah, I love The Crown. Well, you want to? I mean, Crown was your second favorite show of the, the year. The thing is, is like I don't really, I don't know a lot about the voting process. But when I tell people The Crown is, it was in my top five last year. It's my number two show this year. Like I can count on one hand how other people have seen it. So kinda, like, it feels like Mad Men to me a little bit. Maybe yeah, because like it, it's similarly period pieces and kind of relies on that to inform again i've only seen you know some episode loose parts of episodes of the crown it looks great and it i'm sure it's great i mean both you and my parents who are different demographics like love it for different ends the same reason so i imagine it's very good but uh you know i guess you're right so game of thrones beat out the americans westworld handmaid's tale and the crown and handmaid's tale was last year's winner and i acknowledge that i liked handmaid's tale it was a really good show but I just, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to hear somebody tell me why they like it or if they're like, don't need to cry when they're done watching an episode. Cause it's just, I, I would give it the title of the hardest show to binge ever created. Probably. Mm. I've heard if you, if anyone's watched the leftovers out there, there's a scene where you have to watch someone get stoned to death. And I hear Handmaid's Tales like having to watch that scene just over and over every episode. Well, multiple people get stoned to death in the Handmaid's Tales. So that's literal. Yeah. But yeah, it's just unfortunate to me that Game of Thrones won because it, again, it's kind of it's the feeling I have towards the Grammys. But it didn't. But like, it didn't win last year. Well, actually, it wasn't nominated. No, no, it wasn't nominated. No, because it, it wasn't nominated. Right, it took so a little like, bit of a. Well, I mean, so right. I was I was having so before this podcast, I was really thinking. I have this. There's this weird bias in my head, and I'm sort of noticing in the media where when the Emmys get something right, they really nail it. Like everyone's like, "Yeah, great job!" Like Don Glover, best actor last year, right? But when they miss something, there's a real tendency to be like, "Ah, oh, the Emmys don't matter." Sure, but Atlanta, it wasn't like Atlanta won uh, Best Comedy last year either, though. Yeah, no, it should have won last year, too. The Donald Glover Emmy from last year feels a lot like the Jordan Peele Oscar from this year. It's just like, you gotta give Get Out something. You gotta give Atlanta something. And it's just like, uh, nah, I mean, that might be fair to other people, but to me, when he won last year, it was like, that's bullshit because he didn't win. the. I don't even know if the episode that he got nominated for from last year, his acting performance was the best. I mean... Donald yeah. Glover's acting is, and it's not bad at all, and it's really good for the show. But it's, that's not why I watch Atlanta. 
Like, you know, he's probably my third favorite character. Yeah, actually, show. Hiro like, Mirai is right one, maybe the best television director top three out there right now, and he lost this year, yeah, too. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that, too. Um, but my point is, like, as TV evolves as a genre and it still has to fit the cat, fit the structure of the show, it, you're going to see some problems. And to me, it's just looking like to have to compare an American Vandal versus uh, Atlanta versus a... Uh, you know, glow. It's just very, you know, uh, I saw some glow. I, it reminded me of the deuce a little bit. The deuce is not, not yeah, a comedy. But, like, but I think the, I think as it stands, the drama category is fine. It's the things that are being category categorized as comedy, just because they're, they're 30 minutes. I mean, the, 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 the comedy category basically should just say at this point, like it's 30 minutes long and it's not taking into account it's genre. So I think we need to get rid of genres and just say it, take it for what it is, if, whatever length it is, it fits into. Really. Yeah. Also, I mean, maybe we'll get there, but like limited series is sort of becoming a ridiculous uh, category because there really aren't enough limited series in a year to like make it a viable thing. And I guess so. And that's where it gets tricky with stuff like I don't even know where Black Mirror would fall. Black Mirror was like completely snubbed. And we'll get to that too. But so Versace won the Outstanding Limited Series. And it was up against Patrick Melrose and The Alienist and Genius Picasso and some other ones. So I literally heard – I had heard – I'd watched Gianni Versace. I had it pretty far down my list if you recall. Gianni Versace was number 20. 20 out of 24. Not a great show. Love Ryan Murphy. Uh, the previous American Crime Story was O.J. Simpson, and that was at least in my top three of that year. So definitely a fan of, of the genre and the, and the creator. Um, I, literally, I had heard of Godless. I watched the first episode. Didn't feel like watching anymore. It was a Western. It's just like very niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd heard of um, Barry Melrose. I'm like Pat- maybe, Patrick, Melrose. Patrick Melrose on maybe one podcast and never heard of the other two. The billboard is was right there on our track. Yeah, and like like guys, I've I watched twenty four seasons of TV. I'd never heard of three of the shows in this category. Like, uh, let's get rid of this category. Hmm. Interesting. But you like Big Little Lies last year. I actually limited series are among my favorite genres of of TV shows. I think I think eight episodes is, is perfect for a lot of shows. True Detective being the best case, uh, little, yeah, Big Little Lies was was a surprising hit, um, but there just aren't enough of them every year for this to be valid. And the fact that Versace won, it, it's just like congratulations, you won like among like a really weak yes. group of shows. It, it it's feeling more and more like a weaker year as we keep fleshing out this yeah. Emmy recap. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the most interesting ones, and this is, again, my notes, I, you know, I prepared some stuff for this, so naturally we're going to be talking about more of the shows that I've seen too, but Bill Hader uh, beat out Donald Glover for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series, and I know I was just talking about uh, Donald Glover's acting has not been the reason I go back to Atlanta, however, what he was nominated for was his portrayal of Teddy Perkins in the episode of Atlanta called Teddy Perkins, which we will talk about in a little bit more about the episode. But specifically, that performance in that uh, episode, I did not know it was Donald Glover. I am a, totally a sucker when I'm watching like good movie or storytelling, basically. I'm a sucker if the story is good. I'm just in. So I was just like... I didn't know if it was a if it was a Michael Jackson uh, impersonators or I didn't know who it was. I didn't really know if it was makeup. All I knew was I'd never been so scared 
multiple times I looked at my roommate and like debated whether we should keep watching because it was so like viscerally uncomfortable. Like every frame of that episode just give gave me the shivers and it never stopped until like Stevie Wonder was like singing at the end and about evils. And I rewatched it like three times with I was excited to watch with people who hadn't seen it yet and see their reaction and it was such an like an awe-inspiring episode of television for me. And what it lost to was Barry, uh, Bill Hader's performance in episode seven, where, uh, spoiler alert, he's got to kill his best friend. And uh, right after the ambush. Is it really a spoiler when you immediately follow up spoiler alert with the spoiler? That's a that's a good question. You didn't really like give anyone time to turn off the podcast. No, you're right. And I'm going to just preface the pod or something with a spoiler, I guess. But whatever. Okay. Um, he, he got to kill his best friend. It's like the turning point of the show where it gets incredible to me. And while that is one of my favorite episodes of the year, and we'll get to that, Teddy Perkins, if we're talking about performance, what Donald Glover does in that episode is some of the best acting I've ever seen. I think he, he wrote that episode. I know, you know, that's his baby. I'm sure the whole message about that episode is incredibly important to him. And the execution of that performance was one of the most high-pressured performances I can think of. I, I'm just such a sucker for acting. I was... I'm shocked that he didn't win for that performance. Um, love that Bill Hader won. You know, in in any other case, I, I love his performance as Barry. I didn't know he could get there as an actor. I didn't know he could make me feel that way. Uh, you know, in in a dr- very dramatic type role that that episode he turned into. And uh, I, I guess, yeah. Just what are your thoughts? Like. Uh, I know acting's not a huge thing to you in in, in movies or shows. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with you taking the soapbox on that one. I I th- I actually think that the existence of Teddy Perkins in the media around it is a disappointment to the show in general because, and even the fact that somebody showed up as Teddy Perkins at the Emmys. I think it was Jay Farrow is what's the reporting. Okay, I don't, I don't know, but it was a it was a good it was a great episode. Um, it was one of the things that Atlanta does in general is puts things on screen that aren't related to the previous episode and that you've never seen before. So this fits in that category, but it, it wasn't that much better than any other episode, in my opinion. And the hype that it gets, I think, uh, takes away from the greatness of the whole season. Hmm. Um, that being said, Don Glover won last year. So like, you know, spread the wealth, spread the wealth. And I think somewhere in the middle of the, of the season of Barry, I just thought to myself, was Bill Hader in that I don't like? Right. I remember you know? you like Atlanta's definitely the best show on TV. There's no question about that. And Barry was, I think, my sixth show overall, six or seven show overall. So it's still great. I love it. But like Bill Hader's great. Like he's a national treasure. Like I can't think of a thing that he's in that I don't like. And he created this show. Um, he just seems like a really great guy. And I think you're right. Uh, Barry was considered a comedy. It's in the comedy category, but. Whoa. It's his, it's his dramatic work yeah. that makes it so outstanding. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just – I want to say this to close out uh, my thoughts on that episode and Barry and, and Bill Hader and Barry specifically. I remember some like after – stay tuned after the show to get insights on it. It was one of those. And Bill Hader was talking about how much you know the directing duties of the show and the writing duties and the producing duties and how he – this was like his show. He, he like – he neglected – the responsibility he had as the lead actor of the show. Mm-hmm. And he said that, um, I don't know, 
during the, fir- the filming of the first episode, the pilot, he was a little all over the place on how he wanted to play the character. And just to see that growth of him into the character, and it really culminated in this episode after the ambush, having to confront uh, the friend, and then having to portray that he's only good at this thing that he wants to be good at when he's in his at his bottom mm-hmm. that we've ever seen him. And just to see that pulled off so well, like none of it was funny, none of it was... Like, oh, that's Bill Hader, or that's uh, Stefan. Like, eh, it's it, whatever, it's Stefan. It really wasn't. I've really felt his character, especially in this episode. So, you know, maybe it's maybe it's more justified than I'm giving it credit for. But this is actually a perfect segue into who won um, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. And it was a Barry over Atlanta again. And Henry Winkler as Gene Cousinow, who was great and, fu- and funny and the comedic relief and totally one of my favorite parts of TV this year. Limited parts Also a legend. Legend, absolutely. Uh, I don't know what episode he won for. Again, I, each episode, each scene he was in was kind of the same. Like, he was great and everything. Yeah. But he beat out Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Paperboy in Atlanta, and uh, Henry was nominated for his work in the episode Woods – which was might be my favorite episode of the season, one of my favorite episodes of TV, an utter masterpiece of a of a thirty minute episode where he is the absolute center point fulcrum, begin middle and end to could every be a scene. leading actor. Totally, it's his. He's like, I don't know if we see Ern or or Darius in that episode at all. No, it starts with his uh, his dream about his deceased mother and. I mean, it's so it does so much work for his character, and you you've wanted this for so long an, an episode like this, and you don't even know what you're seeing until you know two thirds of it is already over, and you're sitting there contemplating like he is. I mean, I can't believe he didn't win. I, I don't know the politics of it. And like, I'm happy for Henry Winkler; he's a legend. Kusanau was awesome, but that performance in that episode to me is one of the best acting performances of the year. Like, period. So, I'll let you go in on paper. I know you love uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I, th- I think you said that perfectly. I mean, uh, again, Atlanta's the best show on television. It has been for two years running. And for a little more background on The Woods, uh, paper it's, it's, it's a Paperboy-focused fo- uh, episode where he actually is jumped, beat up, and runs into the woods in order to escape these people. And he goes on this somewhat psychedelic really out there trip where he finds himself yes like in in so many ways i can't even really describe them on a podcast and ultimately finds himself a changed person in a, in a convenience store at the end um and his expressions in his face just the acting that he does with his face and to show you his his disdain his sadness when he's when he's happy when he's given up when he's when he's accepted when he's accepted it's like I've never seen that before. And like you already said, like I don't even really care about acting, but I can recognize that this guy's a star. And um, I guess, I guess no, no shade on Henry Winkler, but like his character's a joke. Like that's the, the point. He's of the comedic relief. Like, yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they serve completely different purposes. So like maybe he won cause he was the Fonz and he never won then. I don't know actually. <laughs> well, but this just makes me think it goes back to your initial point where this whole, this is bullshit anyway. Yeah, right. but but if Brian T- Tyree Henry won, we'd be like, they nailed it. Go Emmys. You know, like that's that's what's weird about this award show. It's like this is a great point. When they really nail it, it feels like they nail it. And when they're off, they're like, you're. This is really easy to nitpick, and that does feel different than other show other shows to me because you know the Grammys are going to be wrong all the time. 
And the Oscars, I feel like even when they're wrong, you just kind of accept it. Yeah, the, the odds on favorites are the odds on favorites for so long that you just accept it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, and, but it just feels like, too, the Emmys are more important these days because TV, yes, we might be coming out of this golden age, and we are, I guess. Maybe, yeah. But it, it's still, again, we're about to talk about Mindhunter a little bit, and that's David Fincher, and he's choosing to portray his, his artistic like creativity and innovation through Netflix. And I think uh, that means these Emmys are more valuable. And the fact that it just seems to still... Actually, listen, man. We have I, a garbage Soderbergh show at the bottom, too, Mosaic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got Soderbergh and Fincher in, in the Emmys. A garbage year. Soderbergh show. It, it, was, it was objectively bad. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, again, I don't even know if what I'm complaining about is valid. I haven't seen Miss Maisel. It could, you know, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's not. Okay, whatever. Listen, didn't you like the OC? Love the OC. It wasn't written by that woman. But still, like, I guess I'm stereotyping, like, teen shows. But more like, girls into the OC are not no? the same. Not plan. fair? No. What about uh, One Tree Hill? The only show you compare to Gilmore Girls was Seventh Heaven because Seventh that, was Heaven. On, that was on before Gilmore Girls. Yeah, Seventh Heaven was like the OC, wasn't it? I didn't watch Seven Heaven. Seven Heaven. Don't watch it. Listen, people grow, right? She probably wrote a more serious. Well, I don't know. I didn't see it. Whatever. You have your take. I don't think you, your you fo- I don't think your followers care either. Listen, my millions of followers—they're dwindling with every podcast. Okay. Um, where is Black Mirror, guys? Well, could, could you tell what was it actually nominated as? Was it a limited series or it, here? I'll look it up. Was it? Can, I, it was. It was only nominated for writing, and in, in I think it was wait, writing. But, but USS Callister won for. Was it? Oh, it's it's like short, like TV movie, right? So each episode must be nominated as a TV movie, and then therefore maybe it's not eligible to be in other categories. You know, I guess. I mean, Which is weird because even though each episode stand alone, like no, it's it, it's because Letitia Wright was nominated for Black Museum for supporting actress in a limited series. Okay, so it is a limited series. Yes, it definitely is a limited series, and it's just BS to me. It's just like. Jesse Plemons' performance in USS Callister, and uh, you love Douglas Hodge's performance in Black Museum, who was Rolo Haynes mm-hmm. in that episode. Um, like, for me, I'm just going to talk about Jesse Plemons for a second. I just love, I love the, uh, the Friday Night Lights greater Hollywood universe. We got Michael B. doing his thing, Jesse Plemons, Taylor Kitsch, you know, I just love following my guys for Friday Night Lights. There's a lot, yeah. But Plemons is probably the odds-on favorite to like win himself a damn Oscar like out of the bunch. He is so phenomenal. And I'm only saying this to say his best performance in anything might be USS Callister to this point. Have you seen him in Fargo? No. Is he better in Fargo? Great. I mean, that was when I first saw him and I was like, what? Was he better in Fargo or USS Callister? I know it's probably unfair, but if you had to pick. Uh... Or Game Night. Have you seen Game Night? He's hilarious in game. Now. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't know. I I'd probably give it to USS Callister just because it was focused on him. But he's got he, so much to do. He in was that role. he was so impressive on Fargo. So my point is like Jesse Plemons should have been nominated for some shit. Like I, period. It's, it's odd that an episode that he's in that was mostly about him can win for something, but he doesn't get recognized. I don't even know. I'm gonna look up if he's nominated, and you can talk about. Um, but you just said the Le- Le- Letitia or Letitia. She was nominated, but like she was like maybe the third best actress in in her in her in her episode. So who knows how they do these things? Um, 
Yeah, no, he wasn't even nominated. No, no Black Mirror was nominated. A lot of Versace people and Jeff Daniels won for Godless, but yeah, it's just weird that he wasn't even nominated. I, look, I, 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 I didn't watch Godless. Maybe I should have. It, it just seems so niche and not for me that like, what if it won or people were nominated? I'm fine with that. Like, it seemed like it was probably a good show. And another show that seems to be shut out. And again, I, I can't really. So there's so many shows. Like, I, I don't know who all was one and nominated or not, but Mindhunter seems like it was frozen out of the Emmys. Yeah, it was nominated for anything. I, I, can you talk a little about Mindhunter and why it's in your sure. well, top well, five? Sure. So, so I, was, I was primed to like Mindhunter before it even came out because Fincher's my favorite director of movies, period. Like, I think he, I think his genre of filmmaking um, and, and just the breadth of, of his career has more of my favorite movies so maybe I need to get rid of seven now that, you know. Oh, yeah. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Well, I, not, listen, not, not real okay. quick, this is why you don't have to get rid of seven because Kevin Spacey just plays himself in that movie. Got it. So he, so it's shame on us. Yeah. What you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Great take. Um, uh, Mindhunter was Dave Fitcher's, I believe, first attempt at, at television. Um, it is an, is a, I guess, a mini series or it was a shorter, it was a shorter series about, uh, uh, a true a true story about an FBI agent who wants to explore the criminal minds of the the United States' greatest serial killers, and in doing in doing so, he literally goes and meets with them and interviews them. And this is seen as a really big faux pas um, it, it, within the industry. People are, are big doubters of him, but what Fincher does so amazingly is he recreates all these serial killers. And they're creepy as hell. Oh my god! How he, did, he's yeah. good at serial. How did how did that how did that guy uh, the main the main the one that everyone was up in arms about Ed Kemper Ed Kemper how did that guy not get nominated for anything? I think he was not. He was nominated for a primetime Emmy. He was so creepy. He was definitely nominated. Um, I would say the only thing to knock on on Mindhunter was I didn't really like the main actor at all. Oh, Goff. Yeah, well, he was in Glee. I think he's a Broadway actor. I think he was uh, he was in Hamilton, maybe as the okay as the. It, well, I, look, I'm I'm literally I'm knocking like my fifth favorite show of the year, but like part of the part Groff. of Jonathan Groff. part of, part of the show is that as he learns about the serial killers, he himself sort of turns into sort of a more aggressive, um, creepy. Like like they're sort of alluding to like they're these like people are like rubbing him. off on him, but I didn't like him. And so that's you're right, but I liked everything else about the show a lot. Um, and lastly, before we get into my little category for you that I have prepared, um, Rick and Morty was very high on your list, and you were someone that doesn't really watch cartoons. And um, as a, I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan myself, I'm something about me is turned off about it because it's so popular. But it's interesting that you've just no shame of putting it at number three above these like huge budget network show. So I just want to hear you gush a little bit about Rick and Morty, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, I think, I think if you look at Rick and Morty as a sci-fi show, strictly like compared it against the other sci-fi shows in existence, although it exists in a cartoon, the creative space that they've, that they've developed is remarkable. I mean, the, the various worlds that they've created, the languages, the aliens, and the consistency, and like yeah, and like and like like the dynamics between the characters, like it's 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 hilarious, it's depressing sometimes. Like you never know what you're going to get from a Rick and Morty episode, which I love, and I haven't seen that many cartoons, so I can't comment to say that 
that's any different from The Simpsons? Well, The Simpsons isn't like a sci-fi show. It's just a... Right. I mean, Futurama comes to mind, but still, it, it, it seems like it just transcends... I don't even like Futurama. Right, Futurama right, right. is really boring to me at times, whereas Rick and Morty is like exhilarating all the time. This might sound pretentious, but like the writing is just so good. Yeah. Well, Dan Harmon's incredible. We're, we're going to get to it and because I have best episodes of the year, a little thing I cooked up that I want to talk about, and uh, the Rick Lantis mix-up is on that list and i'm excited to talk but, about but that. it won an emmy for pickle rick pickle rick did win an emmy this year which i wow I, the I, emmys really got it right man well no i do want <laughs> i do want to say that in the moment my least favorite episode of season two was the show me what you got i thought that was a really bad episode at the time turned out to be one of the biggest episodes mm-hmm. and i really didn't like pickle rick and i i think that i don't like the episodes where they're forcing like uh like a a, a a, a meme like, a, like a meme on you but like you can't you almost can't blame them i hear what you're saying but, but that like, but but i i'm, t- I'm not i mean i'm trying to be honest to your listeners they're both of those episodes i don't remember what the show movie guys was the one with the big heads get swifty get swifty it just felt like get swifty yeah get swifty the song and pickle rick like i'm pickle rick like they're just like forcing a meme on you on purpose and like i would rather i like the episodes that are more subtly hilarious sure I suppose. like the whirly Durly, big whirly Durly. Fans. sure yeah or like or like any of the episodes where they like there's like they're like going through the commercials or like they're changing oh, yeah. intergalactic uh, cable. Yeah, I mean like, whatever. I mean yeah, no, I hear you. I'm not even doing a job to explain. Rick, Rick and Morty is the most creative show on television, period, and that's just because they have an amazing space to work in, and the writers are incredibly creative. And uh, and Adult Swim is awesome. I'm sure it's an awesome place. To I don't work. agree. I definitely didn't watch Adult Swim before Rick and Morty. I won't watch it because oh, you, of it either. Well, right again, you don't like. I, Someone that likes Adult Swim, I lo- like because I like cartoons across the board, kind of. Yeah. Adult Swim, I'm happy that they've got such a popular show on their hands. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Uh, so let's just get into the best episodes of the year. So I split these up into two categories, these bullshit comedy drama categories. But I've picked some episodes that have nothing to do with the Emmys. And I just tried to pick uh, these episodes that were geared toward your list and your preferences. You'll see how this turns out. So here's are my nominees for best episodes of the year in comedy, quote unquote comedy. I have Teddy Perkins from Atlanta. Which wasn't a comedy really. Right. Yeah, at all. <laughs> at I mean, all. that episode, the only laughs you do are like real uncomfortable laughs yeah not a fun well the beginning of the episode is kind of funny when he does the you mad on the uh yeah confederate flag okay so we have teddy perkins we have the rick lantis mix-up we have barry episode seven where we talked about and we have american vandal the pilot mm-hmm. which i we haven't talked about at all which i know you're loving season two right now so finished it as good Eight as one it was day. a couple days ago yeah it was good and then for the drama series, best episodes, here are the nominees. Black Museum from Black Mirror. Episode 2 of Mindhunter. That's the one where he talks to Ed Kemper. Uh, the Crown, Dear Mrs. Kennedy. And Game of Thrones, Spoils of War. So you did mention how even though it was a very bad year for Game of Thrones, the peak Game of Thrones is still incredible. Um, so let's start with the comedies. Uh, American Vandal, pilot. Does that... Does that have a chance against these other episodes? Yeah, absolutely. So American Vandal season one is a, just a long dick joke, which might sound... Wait, hold on. Are you saying it's a joke about a long dick? 
Have you seen the show? Yeah, kind of. So, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> What's so amazing about American Vandal, it's it's like a mockumentary show about a school that gets vandalized by somebody who draws giant dicks all over the cars in the parking lot. But it's like, it's just, they just do such a good job of, I, have, I actually have no idea how to say this. It's like, it's, it's, it's immature, but they do such a good job of bringing you in and making you feel like, it's the it's okay. worst thing that ever happened. It's like it like like they need to find out who did the dicks. It's so <laughs> hilarious. It's so funny. And the second season was a giant poop joke. And like again, like I don't know how they did it, but like the way the actor just says poop crime, it's like the funniest, <laughs> it's like the funniest thing. It's so yes, it holds up just because like I think American Vandal, if I can speak for like the general TV watching public, was like something that nobody saw coming, and then they were like who that was that it. was hilarious. Like, thank you for making that. Yeah, no, people love American Vandal. Love it. Yeah, I like, love the first episode too. I, I just didn't watch it because I'm, I'm a piece of shit. That's not. Don't be so hard on yourself. Thanks, man. The Rick Lantis mix-up. I just want to talk about it for a second because it is my favorite episode of TV from your list and last year of TV. Uh, might be like compared to movies. I. It is one of my favorite stories told because it's only 22 minutes so just to recap it has to do with uh, a planet where it's made up of all rick and morty's and i'm not going to get into like all the plots and and just talk you through the synopsis of the episode but what i what i do think is important is four completely different storylines on this rick and morty planet are presented to you in this 22 minute episodes you have a stand by me type morty storyline you have a training day type uh, storyline involving a seasoned Morty with a rookie Rick. You have a political thriller type storyline with the Mortys running for uh, president, and then you have a you know white collar or I'm sorry a blue collar like how do I manage a middle class type storyline with disgruntled Ricks. And the fact that you only get four or five minutes with each of these stories. And they still feel more fleshed out than half of the stuff I ever seen, like have seen this year on TV. Each one of these stories, universes, for instance, the the uh, training day type story, even that story felt much more earned than all of Game of Thrones season seven. The way the episode pulled off four completely earned world building feats in one 22 minute episode. I'm, it's like I dropped the mic after that. I was like, I don't care that everyone loves Rick and Morty. This is my favorite show. This is my favorite episode. This makes me want to be a writer. This makes me want to tell everyone that they need to see this. No, no episode resonated with me like that, cartoon or live. So I just wanted to say that on the podcast because it's one of the things I'm passionate about. I'd actually like to challenge you a little bit with, with, your, with your opinion on the episode. I, I think all credit goes to Dan Harmon for that because if you if anyone who's listening was a fan of community almost every single episode of community took a theme of a movie or tv show that existed and and played upon it in its own way so how do you feel that you even just acknowledge that like rick and morty would just was kind of like stole things from other things that already existed and then made it its own that's a good question. Because uh, that's like Dan Harmon's thing, and I don't think there's anything to knock it. It's, it's a skill in itself to to model shows after existing properties, but you know, you want to be a writer, but really 
what inspires you is the fact that he took existing material and, and made it. It feels unique. like it feels like uh, Rick and Morty because what is Rick and Morty? It's it's Doc Brown and Marty McFly. It feels like the whole show just really understands the power of like pop culture reference. And though it is this glitzy sci-fi constantly throwing math and physics at you, it is kind of very referential across the board. And I view that show. It, down to the Freddy Krueger stuff in the first season to the intergalactic... There was a Purge episode. A Purge episode, the intergalactic cable, which just plays on cable. And yes, they're all improv shows and it's hilarious, but they're all references to other shows. My point is, it, it, it leans in in kind of the best way that you can. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it works. And there's this real... Have you seen Community? Yeah, I, I love Community. Again, that's a show that I didn't watch while it was on, but that was a show I got back into and like... Yeah, hilarious and moving. Incredible, yeah. Yeah. Community's great. I didn't know it, it was so... It kind of puttered out at the end, but the first I, I couple seasons were so strong. I didn't finish it. I, I just see episodes here and there and be like, wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I, I would have the Rick Lantis mix up. You'd argue that Teddy Perkins would not be the right episode to pick from this last season of Atlanta. But but I, I think that so many episodes of Atlanta stand up on their own that they all could be... I mean, not not all of them. But probably all but two of them would could be on be, could be the best comedy episode or whatever we're calling this category of the last year. And like it's funny, you really liked Helen, loved Helen, yeah. Which is also not a funny episode. I mean, there's some like wild shit, like visually. Actually, it's that, pretty funny. There's some funny <laughs> shit that happens, but the implications are so like unfortunate. Deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just weird. These are all comedy. Uh, same thing with Barry. Like that episode is not funny at all, and that's but it's the best Barry episode. So I put. The, it I mean, the funniest character. This is arguable in the show. Is is a murderer? Is the the mo one of the mob guys? Oh, the yeah. I forget his name. It's been a minute. But the, the he's like guy. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And he's like a cold blooded killer. Oh, amazing. Which is which is what's another layer to what makes that show amazing. When we could talk about Bill Bill Hader's performance. So much, but like it was the ability to make otherwise ruthless characters relatable and enjoyable. Uh, that that is that was unique. I think that's something I haven't really seen before. I felt very refreshed after Barry. Is the best word I can think. Good word, yeah. Anthony Kerrigan plays Noho Hank, who's that's the guy. That's the guy. He's got a very luscious head of hair in real life. Does he really? Yeah. Oh wow! But he pulls off. He balls looks way better good. with uh, hair. So, <laughs> um, so I guess then might as well I might as well still ask you though. Black Mirror. I'm sorry. Black Museum episode two of Mindhunter. Dear Mrs. Kennedy from the Crown or Spoils of War for your best dramatic episode. Favorite dramatic episode. I love Black Mirror so much. I I think Black Museum was was such a cool episode because it was like. A bunch of Black Mirror. Okay, so it was like it was like three Black Mirror episodes within an episode, but then throughout the whole museum were references to other things in the Black Mirror universe. It was just so meta and it was so awesome that I have to give that credit. And then the twist at the end, which I don't want to say in this podcast because I don't want to ruin a Black Mirror episode, yes, and is right. incredible. I'm maybe I shouldn't even tell you there's a twist, but like God, that episode is so cool and. Every time Black Mirror is over and I've watched the sixth episode of a season, I just want more. And Black Museum at least like gave me multiple episodes within its final, it's the final one of the season. So yeah. I, I that, so thank you Black Mirror for creating that. That was really special to me. 
And like right behind it is USS Callister too. I mm-hmm. mean, that episode is amazing. It's just funny the timing of these things. Like it just seemed like Letitia Wright was like a superstar with Black Panther along with Black Mirror. Like it, I think it's underrated Black Mirror's impact on the culture. And like, don't think Black Mirror's played out because sure, some seasons might have uh, less great episodes than others. But all you need is that one. Yeah, great I mean, Black I mean, episode. we've only talked about. I think we've only talked about two episodes of this last season on Black Mirror, and there are plenty of people who could argue that two out of six is not good. I liked four of them, and I think four hours of television on Black Mirror stand up against a Game of Thrones season. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. They're more earned. They, they are. The Black Mirror is such a, a such an outlier to TV in general to me. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's like on its own island to me. Yeah. It's, I'm so... I'm so happy of that, like to be alive during something like Black Mirror. Yeah, and you know, if if we can look back to last year, San Junipero won the award that USS Callister won, which was television movie. Television movie, which and it won writing for a limited series. Incredible. So San Junipero, which won last year's best television movie, I swear is. The best hour and a half of film I've ever seen. Yeah, I might be there. I just rewatched it, and I was, it was so and so moving. The fact that it's on, the fact that it's a TV show is sort of irrelevant because it's just like you're, as you as you said, it, they, Black Mirror episodes sort of live on their own. It's you know, the Twilight Zone was a series, and each episode was about thirty minutes. But but some Black Mirror episodes are two hours. The one about the bees, the killer in the nation, and uh, White Christmas was. Yeah, right, that, and that was considered a special on its own anyway. But yeah, yeah. so anyway, we, I could go on forever. I think Black Mirror at any at any point could be my favorite show of the year if I were to just like pick because I think it's high it's high moments are higher than sometimes Atlanta to be frank with you. Yeah. I mean just right cuz in the way that show's set up, you're always going to get like really amazing moments when, when they pull it off. Yeah. Um real quick before we go two out of here. Also, hang on one more thing like Atlanta's the best show on TV, but like, how many times in, in like real life have you been like, oh, this is like a Black Mirror episode? Like, what oh, other what, what other show is like that where you're like looking at something and like it's 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 like the television's telling you what's going to happen in your future? It's wild. And then you keep doing this shit. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it's very scary. I've had more like uh, substantial, substantive conversations about Black Mirror episodes than I have about any other show besides probably The Wire. Like. Uh, I've talked about I forget which episode of Black Mirror it is where Daniel Kaluuya episode where he's uh, trapped in that world mm-hmm. where you have to like perform to get out and that episode like changed this kid's life like and he was telling me all about how that episode do you know how that one that episode's connected to San Junipero how the they 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 show servers at the end of that of that episode so you could make the assumption that the bikes that they're pedaling are powering the microchips that let people go to you can't see my face, but uh, you know it's contorted. I'd love to do a, a, a podcast on Black Mirror because I think it's worth going through the episodes and also making the connections between the shows because it it actually is one universe too, which is really right. Unique. Right? No, I I need to rewatch every episode and like that that'd be a great pod. Um, but before we get out of here, though, uh, this best drama episode list. You want to give any more love to the crown? I feel like we just, we just hadn't talked about it at all. And for my mom, you know, she loved it. I, so I, she'd love to hear what you think. It's, what it. did I rank the crown? Was it two? two? So two. I think this is honestly like a legacy play for me. Like the crown season one was so good. And the season two just took 
started right back up where season one did. It is one of the most beautiful looking shows I've ever seen. It's a historical drama, which I am a sucker for. I think some of my favorite shows of all time take John Adams, Rome, just take place in a period. No one watches the show and it is just so beautiful and honest and, and takes a look at like a time period that I know nothing about, but that is riveting to me. Um, it's, 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 kind, it's honestly, it's kind of hard to sell because I could see somebody watching and thinking it's boring, mm-hmm. but there's so much within the cinematography and the performances that it, it looks like a prestige show. It looks like, it looks like, it looks kind of like Game of Thrones without the fire and brimstone. It's, it's just like, it is just like a beautiful, beautiful show. Well, um, I, w- I was relating it a little bit and I've only seen an episode or two. But it feels like Matt, it's like taking the reins of Mad Men. Yeah, and I've only seen one season of Mad Men, but I think you're probably right about that. I think they're just like really beautiful, well-made shows that, well, I think, I thought Mad Men was boring, frankly. I will watch it someday. I I, I know I will, but, sorry to cut you off, but I think you're right. I think they both kind of take up that space of like, it's a great show, but like, there's just a lot to it. There's a lot of... Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very... As opposed to plot heavy, it's very character arc driven, mm-hmm. and that that's again, Mad Men is a very character arc driven show that completely is only a show because it takes place in the time that it does. Right, and you were telling me about the the Ali fight that was so fascinating. I, I was explaining to you that in the first season, there's an episode of The Crown that takes place on this very famous day in London where like there was so much fog you couldn't see, and just the fact that they were able to like recreate that was like incredible, and to, like to just to bring you into this world. That existed once that I didn't think I would have ever been a part of, and it pulls it off miraculously. That's probably what I should have said earlier, but it really pulls off the ability to bring you into a world, into a lifestyle that I would have no idea about, right? Like I'm not, I'm never gonna be the king or queen of England, but not I kind of know what it's now like. I kind of feel like I know what it's like. Yeah, it. just like I'm sure in Mad Men, you know, people like the, the giant advertisers who were like manipulating the United States. You didn't know what that was like. You didn't know how much drinking they did and how much you know. Yeah, Other I mean, the further on. we get in, it's starting to break down. But but again, I haven't seen The Crown. And to me, what I liked so much about The Crown, just even though I hadn't watched it, it just felt like something that really took itself seriously and kind of prescient in in showing one of the greatest leaders of our time. Not You know, just one of the most popular leaders mm-hmm. who's just been around forever. This is a story that's ripe for the telling and i'm just happy that it's being executed so well like it, it's it seems to be important the episode we had was dear mrs kennedy which is all about uh the queen's relationship with uh jackie kennedy during the john f kennedy's presidency and just the idea that that show won the emmy that episode won the emmy you know makes me happy makes me want to watch it yeah i, I love that shit and and one thing that we cannot let go unsaid is there are corgis in the crown. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring it up. I was going to say this is all bullshit. You only like it because they talk about corgis sometimes. Well, interesting fact about the real queen's corgis. They're kind of ugly. Oh, my God. I'm editing that they, out. No, How dare no, you say that? They, there's a Vanity Fair cover. They're like inbred, and they're not that cute. Harlan is my dog. Harlan the corgi on Instagram. Check him out. It's way cuter. That being said, I love corgis. They're the cutest animal on the planet. And they're, they, they make an appearance in that episode as well as several others in this season. So if you're a fan of cute dogs, beautiful fluff scenery and... Uh, a lot of fluff. A lot of butts. 
Corgis for life. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about the show, but HarlanTheCorgi.com. Yeah. So anyway, the crown is great. Um, again, I, I, I think maybe it's hard to explain why it's so good, but you should just watch it because it's stunning. And I think, although I've only seen one episode of Mad Men, I think the fact that they're both period pieces and take you into a world that you might not otherwise, you know, explore, explore, and does it so executes it so well. I think it's it's worth uh, worthy of being my number two show of the last year. John Oliver won again for Outstanding Variety Talk Series. We're big John Oliver fans. John, John Oliver's incredible. I think his ability to unveil the truth behind topics you never knew that you need to know about is just, like, incredible to me. And, like, he, he should be one of many, really. I mean, it's amazing that he has that platform. I, I wish other people were doing the same thing. Some people do. Samantha Bee does a pretty good job, I think. And Trevor Noah, I think, honestly, does the best he can. He's Trevor Noah. Like, people expect him to be someone he's not. Um... What I like most about John Oliver is that you know how the cover of the show, it looks like he's like just slammed his head on the table. Mm -hmm. That's truly how every episode feels since, you know, these last couple of years. Yeah, I can't really think of a weak one. Like, pretty yeah, no, much everything's worth talking about. And they're, right, they're all good and they're all like, it, he's taking he's off for John Stewart. Left. Yeah, he has. And one thing I was only just to knock him slightly, he's kind of turned into the family guy where like he has, there are like little like plays on words or like references it'll make that are you like you're expecting because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes he, it a little he, too far. He compares right? this to that right. and like tries to make you laugh where like family guys like, oh, remember that flashback to the. So like that, maybe they need to get rid of the shtick, but the actual journalism that's going on in the show is, is incredible. It's some of the most, and it's a great way to consume real journalism, which is hard yeah. to do. No, I mean, I, I think it's worth anyone watching an hour's worth of that show every week because it, it is important and he covers a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that kind of... There are actually a lot of shows we didn't talk about, but this episode's going very long. Yeah, no, I, I was just wondering, Curb... Anything you Actually, I, I was thinking insecure, the good place, oh, insecure. transparent, stranger things. That this this whole area right here, we didn't really talk about. All right, well then we'll speed round it. All right. Yeah. Insecure. What do you think? Insecure. So, so I think Insecure is one of the most enjoyable shows on television with the best soundtrack on TV right now. You do. You be. You just stay playing music from Insecure. Oh my god. I, I mean, like like EDM is is sort of like where my heart is, but I listen to R and B on the regular a lot in part because Insecure just has. A really incredible, I don't know, song selector for the show. And what, what I think is inter interesting about Insecure being so high is it's up there because I think it's so enjoyable to watch, but it's not doing anything special. I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think, other than maybe providing a platform for um, new black actors that didn't exist, like there are a lot of stars being made from the show. I don't think the show itself is doing much that, more than exploring what it's like to be in your 20s and live in LA, which I happen to, and w which is one of the reasons why I enjoy it. Um, so go watch it. It's worth watching, but it's not doing anything special like Atlanta is. Yeah. And it's, it's, you're saying it probably is not going to make your top tier in the foreseeable amount. Of I don't think it will ever make the top right, tier because it's just the way, what makes it so good keeps it where it is. Yeah. It's just like, it is great music. It, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's not doing anything unique. Yeah. Um, Okay, The Good Place, Transparent. Yeah, so The Good Place, um, God, the first season of The Good Place was so incredible, had the most amazing twist at the end. And what I think is why the reason the second season is so high is because they they went off that twist and still kept the show really interesting. I don't want to unveil what happened, but um, it's the only network television show on the whole list. So people listening, please take my advice. The Good Place is, is absolutely oh, worth no. watching. Mr. Robot. 
I don't consider USA to be a Fox, NBC, CBS show, though. Because it's not. Because right. it's not. So, so <laughs> Good Place is the only show that I watched that was a network show. Um, it's, it's really great. Definitely watched the first season before the second season, but really great. Um, Transparent really got a lot of love at the Emmys in the past. Um, this was considered its weakest season. Was um, this the one where Tambor was not in it? Or? No, they canceled the show after the season because of his sexual. Oh. Well, it wasn't. It was ver- It was a verbal assault of his trans uh, colleague, I believe. That's why the show got canceled. I just know he kind of got canceled there for a second. The, this show falls in the category of other shows like Six Feet Under for me, where I'm not trans, I'm not gay, I don't have a lot of the same uh, issues in life that these people do, but I just end up relating to them so incredibly. Um, it's it's a half hour show. The storytelling is is really incredible, and it's doing something on TV that I've never seen before. So while Insecure is higher, I've seen that show before in another form, what, be it Girls or Made in America. It's just like young people trying to make it, you know, at whatever age they're at. Transparent is completely unique, and while this season was its was its worst one yet, it's it's like it's, you got to watch it. I think I think it's I think it's one of the Five most important shows the last five years. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember it being ranked much higher. It was in the top five last year for me. Uh, Stranger Things season two. Yeah, so Stranger Things is number 10. I think it was number 10 on my list last year too when it came out. That Um, was in a more competitive year. In a much more competitive year. I think Stranger Things is an incredible show, absolutely worth watching. I'd say the nostalgia factor alone for, which which is funny because I wasn't alive in the 80s, but just like its ability to portray the 80s is so incredible. Um. It, it really it really kind of picked up where the first season did for me, except there was one episode. I think it was the sixth episode or seventh episode. Yeah, I forget what it's um, called. It's an episode where where Eleven goes and like meets up with like her sister, who, her her like shadowy, sister who some of the shadowy who past, she didn't know. Thing. Yeah, who she didn't know existed, and it was just so bad. The the cast of characters she runs into are just like stereotype goth, stereotype you know whatever. Whatever. It was just it was so unnecessary and. I think had that episode not been in the show, this might be higher on my list. Maybe only a couple of slots higher, but hmm. it really... But that goes a, back to your blemish. Yeah, thing. huge blemish on the, on the season. I think it's deservedly of the top 10, but it, it's not a great show. Fitting place to end then on Mr. Robot Season 3, Sam S. Mail. What are your thoughts? Number 11, so pretty good. Yeah, so Mr. Robot last year was like in my, it was probably in the 30s. Really disappointing because you loved the first season. Yeah, I thought the first season was, well, I I didn't love the first season. I, I thought the first season was really good because it was the first show that ever depicted internet nerd culture. Like, and I don't mean like memes, I mean like literally like torrent files and like like Raspberry Pi computers and shit like that I like. Never seen that on TV before, so I loved it for its novelty. I thought it was a little predictable when it just turned into Fight Club at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the second season was just utter garbage. I felt like it was expose for the creator of the show to the creator of the show directed every episode and just felt like he was choosing cinematography over plot, and it just felt completely unnecessary <laughs> to the point that when the season was over, I told myself I was not going to watch a third season. Um, you know, that being said. I heard the drummings of this third season being better, and like I kind of thought it was bullshit because people did like season two. I wasn't in the minority, but people did like season two. Mm-hmm. But third season was really good. 
Um, it almost made the second season feel unnecessary. And I would say that if anyone was like me and thought Mr. Robot season two was terrible and they stopped watching the mill or maybe they watched till the end, season th three was actually good, got back to the plot and uh, really got the show back on course. So deservedly in the tier of worthwhile watching shows, I would say. Um, and, uh, you know, other, other, just two other shows that, that are on this list that, that I want to mention. Glow season one. Totally worth watching. It's a female. It's about female wrestlers. Two really beautiful women are the stars in it: Allison Brie and Betty Gilpin. So, great show. The beautiful Mark Maron. Mark Maron's hilarious. I don't. I didn't really even know he was that funny until I watched the show. And then Narcos, just like I had Narcos, was the hardest show for me to rank on this list because it's so enjoyable. Like, whereas Westworld's gratuitous violence, like Narcos has violence because like it's the drug cartel. And Narcos isn't pushing some cerebral like plot right. that is gonna change the So like honestly, Narcos could have been my sixth favorite show. It came in at 14th, but it's just it's really fun to watch. And if if you're into you know like a Sicario type show or something that involves, you know, a little cartel bit of violence, life. cartels, drugs, like money, like it's it's just it's fun. Like it's a really fun show. So I would I would consider watching all those as well. Well, um, that's pretty much. That I think we hit everything I wanted to talk about. Um, anything else you want to say? Maybe just a, you know, in conclusion about TV. Sure. What you're hopeful for next year? Or? Sure. Um, I am worried about television because before this year, I thought that like everyone's talking about peak TV. TV's never been better. And while I think Atlanta might be the best show that's come out in, since Game of Thrones, frankly, uh, everything else that's out doesn't really hold a candle to the shows of the past, like Breaking Bad, uh, The Wire. You know, I'd say Mad Men for Ma sure. Yeah, you would say Mad Men. Um, it's just, it's just like the fact that I even had to make tears this year is kind of ridiculous to me. Like, like how, like what is it? Below Game of Thrones, there are. There are eight shows. Like, there are eight shows that I watched, and I was like, eh. Yeah, and I remember in real time talking about how disappointed we were in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones so. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, it's unfortunate. I don't know. And, like, like last year my list was ten longer, and, and I, I don't think it was just ten longer because I watched more TV. I think there was more TV worth watching then. Right. Um, and just to st stand up for, like, my, my takes on the shows that I missed, I don't really think I missed anything that I don't have, like, good reason for not watching, frankly, this year. Um Again, I might watch The American. I think The Americans is the one show that I might go back and watch at some point. Um, not the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Huh? No, it was not for me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm worried about TV. And, and frankly, I don't know what I'm excited for coming up. Um, shows that I'm watching currently right now, Insecure is really fun, really fun to watch. What was the show that everyone just really liked? Uh... Oh, um, Succession on HBO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Um, but like, but like, that's what's so funny about like we. I think we talked about this in your last podcast. Succession was great, but it's not up against a whole lot. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what's like in its like. It's like Succession might be in my top three because I don't know what else is going to be in my top three. That's crazy to me. Right. In years past, there have been numerous shows that I would that I would really hype up there. Um, I feel like I'm kind of running in circles here, but the fact is that there's just not a lot of great TV, and I'm hoping that more new stuff comes out. Um, you know, one thing that I said earlier is like Netflix is really ascended here. And a lot of the shows on here are Netflix season one, which is kind of unique. My yeah. Hunter, 
Yeah, and Glow season two Glow. just came out, which was people really like. Yeah, American Vandal, um, Ozark, Dark. Like there are a lot of shows that premiered last year. They're good, but they're not great. Yeah, I think we're due. I think we're due. I think good things are going to come, and and I think it's in our best interest to be hopeful about TV because you know some of our best filmmakers are in TV, mm-hmm. and that's where the best filmmaking gets done these days. So. I hope next year's list is, is, is 50, 50 shows long. Anyway, anything to plug? Uh, follow Harlan McCorgy on Instagram. Yes. And uh, Basket Sprawl, like always, is presented by Hoops and Brews. Go give them a follow on Twitter and subscribe to their YouTube page. Uh, All righty. Harlan McCorgy. Justin, trusty Justin Moser. Thank you very much. Thank you. Interesting fact about the real Queen's Corgis, they're kind of ugly. That's not, that, that's a rumor. That's not a confirmed thing. You got some inside sources? Ginobili!